0: we also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! God, today we just, we lift you up above what we feel, above pain, above hurts, above trauma, above all the crisis That maybe we're living in right now, challenges we're living in right now, disappointment. You know, disappointment is one of the things that will derail your worship the most. Disappointment will derail your ability to be thankful. It will derail your ability to encourage yourself enough to even want to lift your hands. Why do we lift our hands? Well, first of all, the Bible says lift your hands when you're in the house of God. Because when you lift your hands, it's an outward, physical expression of an inward surrender. Yeah. Yeah. If the police can get you to do it, then why can't God? And if you feel awkward about it, that's okay, we're here to break through. We're, we're here to, we're here to break through. Hopefully you don't come to church for your ears to be tickled and leave like, oh, that was a nice little, now I feel like I did my spiritual religious routine for the week. No, hopefully you come and you grow. You're challenged. You're equipped. I remember the first time I lifted my hands, let me tell you, it wasn't in a room like this. It was in my bedroom by myself and it was so awkward. You know why it was awkward? Because I was full of pride. And to lift my hands meant full surrender. That's what it mean, that's what it meant. To lift my hands it was vulnerability. Who likes vulnerability? Most people don't like vulnerability because it means that you can get hurt. To lift my hands and to say, okay, God, I'm all in. And it was in my bedroom and it was so awkward by myself. And I began to weep as I begin to break through me. Because the biggest roadblocks often is you. Not the devil, not your parents, not your wife, your, sp- your spouse, your husband, not your friends. The biggest barrier to breaking through often is simply just you. And if you can break through you, you can break through a lot. So as we close, I want to just encourage you, just lift your hands just one last time. And I want you just in your heart, out loud, whatever you want to do, just say, Jesus, I'm surrendering today. I want to break through me in Jesus' name. It's one of the, I think, most powerful prayers you can pray in this season. I want to break through me. Because, man, I got some stuff. I got some bad mindsets. I used to call it this, I said, I used to say it like this, we have some bad BS, bad belief systems. We got some bad belief systems about ourselves, about God, about life, stops us. We're our own hindrance at times. And so God, let there be some breakthrough in ourselves today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Kingdom Culture. You're free to take a seat. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good today. You look good. Actually, look at your neighbor and say, you smell good today. You didn't smell good last week, but there's something different about today. Something different about this morning. I just, before we dismiss the kids, I just want to make a quick announcement. Because today is our special House of Hearts Sunday. We do this once a year. The kids are going to be dismissed in a second. But the kids and youth all are going to come back in at around 10.50, 10.55 and join families to be a part of this moment. We're going to pray together. We're going to cry together. We're going to worship together and just see God do amazing things. And so I'm going to dismiss the kids, the youth, and the kids can head out to kid culture, youth culture. And just a reminder, they're going to come back in though, so it's going to be a little maybe chaotic. Please find your families and we're going to close off together. We don't usually do this. Like I said, this is a once a year thing that we do. And we are taking communion at the end. I have my little communion cup here. Yeah, my little gluten-free shot of tequila. I'm just joking, no, it's grape juice. Um, but we're going to do communion at the end. There's power in communion. Is something we always do each and every year. And for those of you that don't fully understand what the House of Hearts is, I'm just going to recap it really quick. And I'm going to take one of these out. It's sealed up now because these are all our families house cards, cards we usually spend about three or four times doing communion the week before as a family with all my kids i have four kids and we prepare our hearts we pray god what are you asking us to believe for i don't i really encourage my kids i'm like i don't want you to write a laundry list of like a wish list down like prayer's not a wish list what do you feel god wanting you to believe for in 2023 and then ask god what he wants you to give and Connect your faith to what he wants you to give. Because my kids all do this. My kids practice this and give sacrificially. And they don't even have a lot of money. And they give sacrifices. I want them to learn the value of when you step out in faith, God meets you. You know that your faith does not move God, it moves you into the place God is already. Did you hear that? Faith doesn't move God, it moves you into the place you need to be to receive what He's already promised to give you. That, that takes the work out of it in the sense that we're, we're working to impress God. We're working to, to pull God's arm. No, no, we just move in faith. God's already there just waiting for us. God was already on the water waiting for Peter to get out of the boat. Peter's move to step out of the boat onto the water when Jesus said walk didn't move God, it moved Peter. Towards where Jesus already was. You follow me? And so these moments are like us stepping out of the boat and meeting God where He already is to fulfill what He's already promised He would fulfill. And the reason why we call it our House of Hearts Sunday, yes, it's a one once a year, year-end, sacrificial, financial offering that we encourage above and beyond your normal giving. For some people, it's a first time. They've never given before. Uh, And, you know, biblically speaking, one of the main ways that we give to God is through His house. There's many different ways, and we can teach on this, I have taught on this, and I teach on this. There are many ways to give, but one of the ways we give to God is through His house, strengthening the house of God. Jesus made a promise and said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. My church is His people. You are His church. Wherever you are, you are His church. And the church has a responsibility in a city to do something that transforms the city, that that leaves a legacy behind eternally. And one of the things that we do every year, like uh, Pastor Michelle mentioned, was is the holiday dream where we're able to give back. Well, moments like these enable us even more to do events like those. To be able to give back to our city. And I want to encourage you, if you're not... If you're not involved in, in serving, I would encourage you, get involved in serving on, that, on, on a team on the holiday dream. It's only a few hours in the morning, and it's just one way that you can give back to families that have a hard time. It's so hard for a lot of families during Christmas. It can be a really dark time. It's a, a magnifying glass to where you're not in life or what you don't have in life or your needs, and that can be really hard to handle. And so we want to give back generously, so I want to encourage you, be a part of that. Be a part of that next Saturday. But um, like I said, we call it House of Hearts because we want to, and believe that God wants to raise up a house of healthy hearts. And a healthy heart is a generous heart. A healthy heart. I mean you could read the science that some of the healthiest people out there, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually are some of the most generous people with their time, their gifts, and their finances. Generosity does something to the mindset. It does something for the heart. The very core of the gospel message of Jesus, what He came to bring, was, we, we see it in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That's so, who, if we, whoever would believe in Him would have eternal life. Well, at the core of that statement is generosity. For God so loved He gave. Giving is a result of love. And who is love? He is God. He is the giver. He doesn't do giving, he is giving. He doesn't just give once in a while, he is generous, that's who he is. He's Jehovah Jireh, one of the names of God, for God the provider, and he's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. In the nature of God is generosity. You can't subtract it, you, it's not something he does, it's something he is, because love is generous. And so we do this, and we tie our faith. And if you haven't got one of these, I'd encourage you. We're going to pass them out if we haven't already. There's a bookmark, and that bookmark is to be kept by you, and I want to encourage you to keep it and write down what it is you are believing for, for your family, for your individual life. What are you believing for in 2023? Man, I can't tell you how many times moments like this have changed the game for Michelle and I. I remember I was just telling Eduardo during worship, like, just remembering moments like these, man, I remember, some of you, you've probably heard this story many times. It's like when we were first married, my, my wife had severe health challenges for the first seven years. I mean, I don't ever really remember a date night where we didn't have to leave because she was sick. For the first seven years, it was a really challenging time. And, and that seven year culminated. This, for her, it was like a longer, lot longer than that. But for me, in the, our marriage time, it was seven years. And I remember on the seventh year, she was on her deathbed. She was ranked second to the highest, three highest risk uh, emergencies in the general hospital in Ottawa, next to a guy whose insides exploded. She was ranked number two, and I thought she was going to die. I was literally thinking in my mind, I'm going to be a single dad with three kids. At the time, I had three kids. I was thinking how it was going to work. I, I it, it was a crazy season. Seven years culminated into her literally thinking that she was going to die, and they, and they said for sure, I mean, if... if This, this, She makes it through for sure. She's going to have like a a bag for life. She's going to have like a hole in her chest, a big massive scar. I mean it was devastating. Even the surgeons came out during hour number six, what was supposed to be like a two hour surgery. Hour number six saying, hey, we have bad news. The hole has to go from here right in the center of her chest. And she's going to have a bag for life. But for sure for six months. And so I remember, I mean, he, he having these conversations and, and praying. And we had the world praying at this point. And, of course, many of you know the story. The surgeon came out at the end after about six and a half, seven hours, which was supposed to be like a two-hour surgery. So I don't know what happened. It was a complete miracle. And not only is there, is, there are, is there no bag, there's no scar. I mean, and since then, Michelle's been a different individual. Totally different individual. And that was, like, quite some time ago. It's amazing. But leading up to this, we had such, we had many, many moments where, man, we had to just believe God. Like, it made no sense. And I remember we were pregnant with our firstborn promise, who's now 13 years old. Can't believe I have a teenager. I'm starting to see the the demonstration of that. And I have three girls and a boy. So, I mean, man, it's a lot of estrogen. When, I mean, when when they're on their cycle, I'm out. There's a reason why in the Old Testament they were like, the woman needs to leave for seven days. No, God bless you. <laughs> I'm kind of just joking. Don't stone me for that one. But uh, I, I you know, she was, we were pregnant with Promise. She was, uh, I think, 22, 23, 24 weeks, somewhere in there. And she had kidney failure. Her body shut down. Rushed to the hospital. High risk. She, we ended up being in the hospital for a month and a half. It was a really hard time. I had no money. That, that season, literally, I had no money for six months coming in. I had just enough money to pay my rent. Just enough money to pay my rent. I didn't even have extra money to buy food. Just enough money to pay my rent. And my wife's in the hospital. I'm this traveling itinerant speaker. I'm seeing people healed around the world at this point of the very thing my wife is in the hospital for. I'm seeing people healed of the same thing. Medically documented and my wife is literally I'm thinking she's gonna well at this point this was now seven years like this is like thirteen years prior to this but or seven years prior to this but I, I didn't know what was gonna happen and they said this baby is either gonna come out premature or is gonna not gonna make it. There's an infection, all this kind of stuff was happening, and it was crazy. And I remember I was in the hospital room on Easter weekend with my wife in this condition in this state, and it was during one of our House of Hearts Sundays. And God said to me, I want you to leave your wife in the <laughs> I mean, this is what God told me. I, and I knew, we both had obviously agreed to this. I wasn't like, God told me. And she was like, I want you to go. No, we both agreed. We felt like God said to me, leave the hospital just so you can sow and give in the offering. And I want you to give your entire month's rent. And I want you to write on your bookmark. At the time it wasn't a bookmark. It was just a one card. I want you to write on your bookmark what you're believing for, that promise will come full term, that you would fi- get your first house, all these different things that I wrote on, on the card. And uh, left the hospital, came, literally came up onto the stage, just did the, like, basically facilitated the offering, gave my offering, went back to the hospital. And of course, you know the story, promise ended up coming full term, completely healthy. It was an amazing situation, even though it was a little crazy, the firstborn is always a little crazy. Full term. We got our first house that fall. I mean, the craziest miracles begin to begin at that point of crisis. And the reason why I say that is because some of the greatest breakthroughs you will ever experience in life will come in the sacrificial, spirit-led moments of the craziest times of your life. Did you hear that? Is anybody here in the room right now? Some of the greatest breakthroughs in your life will come and be initiated when you're in the hardest of times in your life, and you can be Spirit-led in your sacrifice in those moments. When it makes no sense, that's often when it makes the most sense to God. If that's something that I could write in a spiritual dictionary as the definition of faith, I would say two things. Faith is walking in the dark with your eyes closed. That's what it feels like. And it's really stepping out When it makes no sense, because that's when it often makes the most sense to God. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so, you know, this is a very special Sunday. And at the end, there are many people in this room that are going to bring down a sacrificial gift above and beyond their normal giving. For some, it's going to start to trust God with their first 10%, as we teach in Scripture Talked about this two weeks ago or last week and we're going to continue next week about honoring God with your first ten and what that does for your spiritual life. And, or for some it's just, you know, a step in the right direction. Like I've never given before. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to step out. Families are going to come down. Married couples are going to come down. Singles are going to come down. Kids are a part of this. I mean, my kids, they see the breakthrough all the time. It's amazing. But remember this. It's not about the size of your gift. It's about the size of your sacrifice. It's not about you comparing yourself to the others. Last night at the at my table we were having communion as a family and my 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 one one of my kids, I won't mention who it was, started weeping. And they felt like God said, I want you to do this, and it's like a big the biggest gift that they've ever given and, and it makes no sense. And both Michelle and I were like, Wow, that's crazy. But I'm I'm I believe this. You can't outgive God. If God really you really believe God's the creator of all things and he owns everything. And it's all his in the end. You can't outgive him. So i just like, "Oh, that's awesome." And he be- they, they begin to weep, and, 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 and then the others heard the number, they were like, "Oh, shoot, should I give more?" And I'm like, "No. I'm like, no, it's not about competing. It's not about who can give the most and about that. It's about the sacrifice for you. What feels right for you? What hurts maybe for you? What's the starting point or what's, you know, the leap that you need to make? Only you can decide that. But a sacrifice always feels like something. It's not a sacrifice if it's easy. Marriage is not easy, is it? Is anybody in the room? Friendships are not easy. Fulfilling your mandate in your career is not easy, right? There's lots of sacrifice that goes into it, isn't there? But the greatest rewards in life often come through the greatest sacrifices in life. And so in this moment, we're going to, at the end, we're going to do communion, and we're going to come down, we're going to pray over everything, and it's going to be, I just believe, a powerful, powerful time. And in light of this, we are in week five of our heart work series, Sunday series, and I've always said this, and I've said it every week up until now, that heart work is hard work. If you're dealing with matters of the heart, you're dealing with matters of the heart, it's always hard. It's challenging, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging. We're here, right? We're here. I know it's comfy. I know it's dark in here. But this is what God is saying today. Some sacrifices are the sacrifices that are going to actually bridge the gap to the very thing that you're believing for. Romans 12, verse 1. Let's go here for a second. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. I love this. He says, present your bodies, present your whole being. God wants your whole life as a sacrifice. It's not just a once in a moment, a thing you do that that, that really honors God. It's your whole world. It's your whole life. It's your your perspectives. It's your time. It's your, your emotional EQ, it's everything, it's all of you. He wants all of you. He present your bodies as living sacrifices. And in some translations, like I said, it says, this is your spiritual act of worship. When you present your whole being to God, this is one of the ways you worship. So one of the ways we worship is in a moment like this, corporately together, which is, I want all of you. I want all of your attention. It's not because I'm a narcissistic God, not because I need it, because I want to shape, mature, transform your heart. To think bigger. And the only way to think bigger is to think about the one who is bigger than all things. So if I can get your attention through worship, like I said, not because I need it because he's a narcissistic God and needs this attention. No, he knows that when you think bigger to the one, towards the one that created you, you will live bigger. And some of us have been living small for too long and so worship helps elevate our bigness in life. I know it's not a word, but it helps elevate our our our, our, our perspective of what could be for our life. Worship is so vital. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, we would sacrifice stuff. We would sacrifice animals. We would sacrifice, bring an offering to God. And often it would be a blood sacrifice, and that would atone for our sin. And that was actually under the law, under the Old covenant but in the new covenant under the new covenant of God's grace guess what we are now the sacrifice we are the everyday 24 hour a day walking sacrifice every day under the old we offered something to God to atone almost to get God's attention because it was all about works it was about the works to atone for your sin, to deal with the junk, to deal with the sin. And you needed a priest, a leader to stand in the gap for you, to atone, to help you atone for your sin. But under the new covenant, our lives are now that offering. Now, there was an expectation of this. Now, and I, I would say this, that the, the, the shift between the old covenant and the new was really a picture of from the hands to the heart. The hands would offer, the hands would give, the hands would do. It was works. But now God was looking at the heart. It was all about the heart on the inside. I want to get on the inside. Are you with me? It's all about the inside. That's why I said, like, it's not about the size of your gift. It's about the size of your sacrifice. God looks at your heart. Your hands are now simply a reflection of where your heart is. The scripture says that obedience is better than sacrifice. But I want to talk about what it looks like to be spirit-led in our sacrifice. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliott says it like this. She was the, the wife of the, the well-known missionary, Jim Elliott, who gave his life on the mission field. Many of you, if you know anything about church history or uh, the history of sort of amazing, awe-inspiring missionaries that have given their life around the world for the sake of, spreading the gospel, spreading the message of Jesus Christ. You would know Jim Elliott, he's dead of course, but his wife was also dead, uh, made this statement. She was also a Christian author and writer. But does it make sense, she says this, does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we are not obeying in the thing that lies before us today? I think this is, man, this is like a challenge for all of us, to anybody that's been walking with God for some time. We... we Pray for the future while neglecting the thing that God's already put in front of us. We, 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 let me say it like this in context of the church community. We pray, God, let us have an impact on kids. But when we're given the opportunity to serve in our church with the kids, we're like, no, that's not part of it. No, no, I'm saying this from experience, like having conversations with people. I'm called to music But I won't serve God in the house of God with the gift that God's given me in music. I just want the next thing. But I don't want to, I don't want to lean into the thing that's right in front of me staring at me saying, hey, this could be a part of the preparation. So, so we get upset with God often when we don't get the thing that we were believing for down the line in the future. And God is like, how can you be upset when I've given you something in the now that you didn't steward. Because for you to get the thing you wanted in the future, I needed you to steward the now and the present, and you didn't do that. You didn't show up on time you didn't give your all, you didn't put in, you didn't sow the seed, you didn't water the seed, you didn't put it in the right environment, you complained about it, you criticized it, and now you're mad at me saying God didn't fulfill his word. And really the big thing is, no, you didn't fulfill your word with the word that he gave you in the season you were in when it was offered to you. You rejected it saying, I would rather have the future than the present. Man, I have these conversations all the time with people where, where we're constantly trying to get over here when God's like, I'm right here, Sean. Like, no, you want this over here, but Sean, that's not where I am yet in your life. I'm right here. And until you get this, there were things on my House of Hearts card this year that I just, that I prayed for for a long time. That almost every year I put on my House of Hearts card that I couldn't put on my House of Hearts card this year. Even though I'm still believing for it, just couldn't do it. Because I know there are things that if I can get this right, that thing will happen. Be tracking with me. Matthew 6 verse 33, pursue, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that really you need and are for you will just come knocking at your door. I want to encourage us to be present minded. Yes, be future minded, but not at the expense of sacrificing the present. What is in front of you right now that God's called you to be obedient in? And maybe there's some sacrifice that has to happen in the current season of what he's put in front of you before he elevates, promotes, and leads you to the next thing. Let me say it like this. Partial obedience is disobedience. Because a lot of us, well, like, I'm obedient, but I'm, like, I'm, and obedient is like a, in this, Council culture world we live in sounds so, like, obedient, like I'm a slave. No, it's just simply surrendering. It's simply just being uh, at a place of surrendering to God, following God's plan, being led by the Spirit every day. Like, where is God leading me? That's simply obedience. It's simply just surrendering my time, my will, my emotions, my mind, everything to Him, saying, God, wherever you lead me, I'm going. Like, I am going on the track that you are. I'm on your train. I want to be on the God train. That's where I want to be. And sometimes we are half in and half out. And we expect the same result as those that are all in. I think this also is with community, you guys. I'm just going to be fully honest here. Like so many people come into church. They come, they attend church. And they leave. They feel like nobody talks to them. Or they have no connections. They have no relationships. And yeah, sometimes there's failure on our part. On every church's part, you get missed and that's unfortunate and it's a sad reality and it's like everywhere you go, it's really hard to never miss all the time 100% to hit the target. To make sure everybody feels connected and, and, you know, we can engage with everybody. But here's the reality, if you're just attending and not putting yourself out there, maybe in a connect group or on team, it's going to be a lot harder for you to have longevity in these relationships. Because you're just attending, so you just every once in a while it's sporadic. And now we have a church culture that comes only every once every six weeks. Like if everybody as part of our church came every single week, the place would be probably uh, almost full. But people come sporadically. And I'm not knocking that. If you need to do that because your job, whatever, I'm just saying that, like imagine, imagine we were could be in a season where we were all in on something. I guarantee you'd see the result, the full result of it the full result of it. And all in for you may not be all in for somebody else. I'm just saying if you have 10 minutes to give, you give 110% in those 10 minutes. That's what all in looks like. All in doesn't look like 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, that's all I'm thinking about. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you've committed to 10 minutes of your time with your wife every week to have coffee every lunchtime, you're all in in those 10 minutes. That's what all in looks like. Someone needs to hear this today. So partial obedience really is disobedience. Or even delayed obedience is disobedience. How many of us, we hear God speak like things back in March that we needed to do, maybe in our relationship with God, and now we're just getting around to it now. Delayed obedience has a missed result always. Delayed obedience is disobedience in the end. God wants to raise up a culture That's quick to respond to him and surrender. Do you believe that? So I'm talking about spirit-led sacrifice in this short time. Spirit-led sacrifice. We're offering our bodies. You know, sacrifice smells like something. Look to your neighbor and say, you smell good. I smell sacrifice on you. I'm seeing it in my kids. I'm like looking at them. I'm like, man, I'm so, I I know that we are intentional, but I know it's by God's grace some of the things that are happening spiritually in in their lives. I'm like, I I don't feel like we did did that. We facilitate and we do our best to model and we mess up and we miss it all the time. and, And yet they're still so incredible in so many different ways and they're growing in their relationship with God. But I'm smelling on their lives this new amazing presence of God on their lives because they're practicing this stuff. You know, oftentimes throughout Scripture, when people would give an offering to God, God's response would be, it smells like a sweet aroma to me. Like, your life smells good to me. I remember that I was in uh, L.A. years ago, and I, I, I love cologne. How many like cologne and perfume? Maybe some of you don't. Anybody in the house? It's just me, eh? I'm, I'm the weird one, or what? I love smells. I just love, I love good smells. I, I always have, and, and, um. Maybe it's because when I was young, I have this memory of my dad giving me, like, Obsession Cologne when I was, like, five. Remember Calvin Klein Obsession, remember? I'm like, what is this stuff? And these little round bottles, I remember. And I didn't even smell that good. But anyways, I just, maybe, I don't know. But I've always loved good smells. And um, I was in L.A., and I was in this, like, really expensive store. We, are, we were, like, um, just shopping around with some leaders. We were gathering as a, as a leadership team from around the world in LA, and we were at this store, and we were just browsing around the mall, and there was this one really expensive store, we just kind of popped in, and I was looking at Tom Ford Cologne. Anybody heard of Tom Ford Cologne? Perfume? Yeah, it's really expensive. It's like between 300 and 800 bucks, depending on what you're buying, and I've never actually bought Tom Ford Cologne. I'm like, I can't justify spending that much money on Cologne, you know, uh, even though it smells good, and I would love to, but I just can't justify spending that much money on Cologne. And uh, I was looking at it. I was just trying it, smelling it. I'm like, oh, it smells so good. And a buddy of mine walks by who is part of our leaders group from Dubai. And everybody knows that if you're in Dubai, you're really wealthy, I guess. But <laughs> he's actually a pastor in Dubai. And uh, what's that? Zero income tax, yeah. Um, and he's, well, he walks by and he's just like, oh, yeah, that's a good cologne. I'm like, yeah, I love this cologne, you know. I'm not buying it, uh, but I love it. Anyways, anyways, he went back and surprised me, bought the cologne. I gave it to me as a gift. I think it was like $500 or $600. I can't remember the price, but it was like, I think it was almost 700 Canadian. It was crazy. And I'm like, this is crazy. It was a sacrifice on his part, of course. But I, when I would wear it, it was like a reminder of somebody else's sacrifice in my life. And that's the aroma we carry of Jesus every, every day. When we are operating in generosity, we wear the aroma of Jesus' sacrifice. Because our sacrifice is simply a reflection of someone else's. Jesus paid the price. He sacrificed his life so we could live to the fullest in relationship with him. And every time I'd wear this, I'd be like, man, I'm like wearing the sacrifice. This is like, this is like the aroma that we are to the world, supposed to be anyways. If we're walking with Jesus, we are to be an aroma to those around us of the one who sacrificed his whole life. I'm hearing some amens. I'm hearing some... I'm hearing some people in here, it's very, very calm today. But we want this smell, don't we, in our family, in our houses, in our relationships, in our careers. We want this smell. This smell of sacrifice. And there's two stories, and I'm just going to read them quick and we're going to dive into communion. But they're, it's funny because the two last, according to John and Mark, the two last actual recorded stories of events that happened outside of, you know, Jesus coming into Jerusalem, preparing for His crucifixion, having the Last Supper, the two last stories, you know what they were? They were about radical offerings. Two radical offerings were recorded right before the greatest sacrifice that humanity has ever known took place. And those two last stories recorded in Scripture preceded the greatest sacrifice that ever was made. And the first story is basically coming out of John chapter 11 where Lazarus is raised from the dead. Martha's brother. Mary's brother. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Radical moment of healing restoration. And then flip to John 12 and now they're hanging out, they're having a meal together. Six days before Passover, verse 1 Jesus arrives in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served Lazarus, was among those who ate with them. Then Mary took, you know this story, a 12-ounce jar of Tom Ford perfume from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Listen to this. The house was filled with the fragrance. Fragrance of what? Sacrifice. This is my prayer for this house every single year. Every time we do moments like this, not just in moments like this, throughout the year, my prayer is that God would raise up houses of God, churches around the city that would smell like sacrifice. The house was filled with the fragrance. Listen to this, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages, between 40 and 50 K, just for our understanding today. $40,000 Forty and $50,000. Imagine, a $50,000 bottle of perfume wasted on the feet of the dirtiest part, the dirtiest part of someone's body was the feet in that culture. Maybe it's the hands today. We wear socks and shoes. But back then, sandals, dirt, dirtiest part of someone's body was the feet. Which is why the serving of the washing of feet was so profound. The dirtiest part of someone's body was the feet. And here this Mary was it, it simply, she's just like so in awe and thankful that her brother is still a- around. Like he's the reason for Lazarus being raised from the dead. He's like, I'm just going to give you a radical offering. forty to $50,000 bottle of perfume. I'm going to pour it on the dirtiest part of your feet. As a prophetic act, and I, there's lots of reasons why. Remember that blessed are the feet, the Bible says, of those who bring good news. He was the good news. It was a prophetic act of what was hap- going to happen. She didn't know that. She didn't know what she was doing, but her spirit did. Often you don't know what you're doing when you give, but your spirit does. Your mind can't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense for me to do this. Like if I, you know, there's been so many times where we've emptied our bank account in moments like these. And it hurt and we cried and it was painful. We felt God say it. Don't do anything unless God, does it, God says it. But we felt God say it. And it was painful, but yet we would, it was like an honorable thing for us. And, and it was like pouring out this expensive jar on the feet of Jesus. Like, do, what, what did we just do? And our mind doesn't understand it, but our spirit does. She didn't know what she was doing. And Jesus even said it, don't, don't worry, she's preparing me for my burial. But really it was a prophetic act of what was to come, that he would be the good news of the gospel. That he is the good news of the gospel. And it says here, Judas Iscariot piped up and says, why would you do that? You could have sold it and given the money to the poor. This is the the challenge. In moments like these, we always think logically. Judas was thinking logically. And actually, he didn't even care about the poor. Actually says, but not that he cared about the poor. In fact, he stole money. He was the guy who was the finance staff member on the Jesus team. He had all the money. He stole the money. And then he actually sold out Jesus. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, sold him out, and actually was the cause of Jesus going to the cross, getting arrested. But it had to happen. It was supposed to happen. It was the will of God. But the point is that money actually was what took Judas out. And it was in this context that he was like why would you waste it on Jesus, who I'm about to betray, sounding like he's all about the poor. You could have done this over here. It was simply a virtue signal. We see that a lot today, don't we, in culture, right? I want to look good on the outside. I want to signal to the culture that I have good virtue. I stand, even if I disagree. I want to look good. I want to impress that I'm all about this, when really in my heart I'm wicked. That's what was happening in the heart of Jesus. Jesus is like, listen, man, listen, you're going to have the poor with you always. Which is actually a promise, by the way. You're never not going to have poor around you. People always want to come up with ideas to eradicate. You're always going to have, the poor will always be among you. Yes, you can help change. You can help flip systemic poverty. You can help do a lot of things. But there will always be somebody less fortunate than you around you. It will never stop. In the kingdom, there is no communism. Not everybody is equal. That is not a kingdom living. Okay? Then we won't go there. We won't, we won't rabbit trail there. But... This, this moment, she, she poured out this offering, and it filled the room. This is my prayer today. Judas stunk of greed and betrayal, self-interest instead of self-sacrifice. We want a smell of self-sacrifice. We want a smell of selfless, spirit-led sacrifice. Because the smell you give off is determined by the sacrifice you live by. And the next story is found in Mark chapter 12. I'm going to end with this. We'll go into communion, Mark chapter 12, the last two stories. I I think it's so profound. It's so profound. And once again, if you're new with us, you're thinking, man, I came to the wrong Sunday. No, you came to the right Sunday. You came to the right Sunday. And there's no pressure, if you're not a part of this house, you've never been here before, you're brand new, to be a part of this. But be a part of this in some way by just even writing down on a card what you're believing for. Let's pray with you. Let's believe with you. If you want to give, that's up to you. There's no obligation. There's no mandate. We just want to give you the opportunity to grow in your faith. But if you're new with us, listen, we want to believe with you. If you're believing for something, we're with you in it today. We're with you in it today. But in Mark chapter 12, I think it's so profound that these last two moments, stories before the cross, are people that gave radically. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Listen to this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Because there was a collection box. It was like a, considered like a treasury. And in the old covenant, people would actually bring like crop, They'd bring revenue, some would sell their crop and then bring the cash. They'd bring their tithes, their offerings, they'd bring stuff, gold, silver, It went into the treasury to continue to support the work of the temple but also to serve the needs of the community. There was multiple reasons why that was there. And here Jesus, okay, this is prophetic for us today. Pretend these are the treasuries right now, okay. Jesus is looking down, and all he cares about is your heart. He doesn't care about your gift. cares about your heart. He sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Listen to this. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow, listen to this, came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. The poor widow, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, gave everything she had to live on. Is that, is that not radical sacrifice? Is that not radical sacrifice? Okay, the point is this. She gave less than everybody. But in God's eyes, she gave more because she gave sacrificially. She was giving her heart when her heart was being represented in the sacrifice. And so he's like, listen, they gave out of their surplus. It doesn't even feel like anything for them. It's easy to give out of your surplus. It's easy to give out of your surplus. Let me just say this. The more wealth you have, the harder it will be for you to give. The less you have, the easier it is to give because you have less to lose. The more you have, the harder it is. And if you can learn this trajectory and grow piece by piece, play by play, step by step, as you grow in your wealth and you operate in these principles, it will get and stay easier. But God looked at this widow and said, and and told the disciples, it was like actually a, a, a discipleship moment. Like, she gave sacrificially. Because it wasn't about the size of the gift, it was about the size of the sacrifice. Interesting, because we come into this moment of communion, we come into this moment of communion. Actually, before we go there, I'm going to read one last verse to you, speaking about just the power of generosity and what it does for God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 says, and now I have, I have it all and, keep, and I keep getting more. The gifts you sent with Aphrodite were more than enough. Like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. You can be sure that God will take care. This is a promise for you. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. It's a promise. God will take care of everything you need when you begin to trust him. Put him first. As we bring in the kids, I, I just want to talk now about communion as we facilitate here. Communion, the Lord's Supper, this, this thing we're going to do right now, the Catholics call it the Eucharist because it's actually the word thanks in that context actually is the word Eucharistio. It's where we get the word Eucharist from, the partaking of the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine, the cracker, whatever it is for you. When we do this, it's an experience with our relationship with God. We're engaging in something. It's not a symbolic, ritualistic act that we do just to feel good about ourselves. We're actually, there's an exchange that happens in these moments. And the whole point of the the Last Supper was to remember what? Jesus' sacrifice. Do this, it says, he said this, in remembrance of me. Whenever you drink the blood, which is wine, whenever you drink the blood, remember That I have forgiven you past, present, and future. Whenever you eat the body, remember it was broken, just like my my, my body was broken so your body could be made whole. So do this in remembrance of me. Remember the sacrifice that I'm about to make. This is what he was trying to get the disciples to see. That I'm about to make on the cross. I'm about to make the world's craziest sacrifice. And this whole moment is about remembering that. As the communion is being passed out, I'm going to read the communion verse to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, the word is Eucharistio there, given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we're going to prepare for this moment together in communion. And once again, if you haven't got one of these envelopes, if anybody wants one, even if you're not giving today, and you want to write on the bookmark, please put your hand up And one of the hosts will give you a card. Can you please facilitate this VIP team? You see the hands up? Please give them a a House of Hearts card. Can someone just confirm that we're making this happen? All these hands. All these hands. Okay. So as it's being passed out, how we're going to do this, I'm just going to bring some more. Keep your hands up, please, guys, so our VIP team can quickly see who needs the cards. Pass them. Maybe pass them down each aisle. Maybe six or seven down each aisle just to make it easy. What we're going to do is we're going to do um, communion together. Don't take it yet. We're going to pray. I want to encourage you. I hope that if you already have your card with you and you brought it with you, you've already written down everything. You've sealed it up. Because what we're going to do is before we bring it down, we're going to open up. We have a financial kiosk. It's very important still for order so we understand because we're going we're gonna to miss some details here. What we're going to do is you're going to go to the financial, if you want to be a part of the giving part, maybe you're doing it online, which is fine, maybe you've already done it, there's a couple ways you can do this, if you do text to give, do not give to the general fund, you're going to have two options, it's going to say, which fund do you want to give to, general or house of hearts, you're going to click number two, which is house of hearts, okay, And the reason for that is because we want to be able to celebrate every year what came in specifically above and beyond what comes into our general fund as a house to the house of hearts so we can celebrate. When it's mixed together we can't, we can't tell. We can't celebrate. This is a separate offering, okay, separate giving moment. So if you do text to give you can do it that way. I don't know if we can put the, guys put the giving stuff on the screen. Do we have the giving slide on the screen? We get that up there? projection. Projection. If we can get the giving slide on the screen, that would be great. Thank you. So s- that's a first option. If you want to give online, you can do that as well. Um, you can also write all your Visa information, if you want, in the card that's passed out to you. You can do it that way and drop it in the box. Or you can go to the back. There's two kiosks in the back and you can give by debit or any other way. Also email transfer. Give by debit in the back. So what we're gonna do is, if you haven't already, I would encourage you to write the stuff down. Fill out your bookmark. Fill out your card, seal it up. You can also give by cash if you want to, too. Old school. You can do that. Once you're ready, what we're gonna do is we'll do communion first. We're gonna pray. Then I want to encourage you go to the kiosk and then when you're ready, as a family, bring down your House of Hearts card to the box. And at the very end, we're gonna have some leaders up here and we're gonna be praying over the boxes, praying over all the things that you are believing for in your life in 2023. Once we have, everybody has, does is is everybody have communion? Sorry, I can't really see very well because of the lights. So if somebody give me a cue that we have all the communion passed out, we're good. Awesome. Amazing. So thank you, God. God, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for your body that was broken Your blood that was spilled out. And we just celebrate you in this communion moment, God. That this is not about us. It's about you remembering your sacrifice. And today as we remember your sacrifice, God, we're just bringing our sacrifice to you, to your house, God, to honor you. Big, small, medium, whatever it is, whatever journey that we're on, it's okay. Or maybe we're just believing for something. We're not sure what's going on here. We don't want to be a part of it. But we want to be a part of believing for the things that are in our heart for 2023, God. Whatever it is, God, we just pray that in this moment you would just do an amazing work in our heart. As we take communion, God, I pray that you would heal bodies. That you would remind us that we've been forgiven past, present, and future. You'd lift the shame. You'd lift the condemnation. You'd lift the unnecessary weights of anxiety that we're carrying. God, you'd lift all these burdens. Lift all these things that are holding us back. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that has never stepped into knowing you in relationship that today would be that day. Jesus you said that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead we will be saved. It's a starting point to relationship. Maybe you're in this room and you've never let Jesus into your life. This is an opportunity for you. You don't know what's going to happen to you when you die but Jesus does and He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants a relationship with you. Not for you to be part of a religion but a relationship. Today is an opportunity for you to start relationship and get off the fence of indecision and be all in in your relationship with with Jesus, letting him be front and center, taking the lead in your life. And I, if that's you and you're in this room and you want to step into that relationship, all you have to do is say, yes, I receive your forgiveness, Jesus. I believe you're God and I believe you were raised from the dead to give me new life. And if you've said that, or if you're saying that in your heart today for the first time, I want to encourage you to stop by our, finan- our our VIP kiosk in the lobby. Let them know so we can pray with you and give you a gift for your journey. Let's take communion together. And then we're going to pray over our House of Hearts cards. When you're ready, stand up with your family, your spouse maybe individually and I want you to hold your card in your hand before you go to the kiosk, before you drop it at the bottom here. Stand up with your family. I'm gonna give them to my family. We want this is more of a family moment, so I want to encourage you, come join your families. Once you have your card, just stand up, hold it in your hand. Hold it in your hand. I'm just gonna give a little bit more time for those of you that need it.
1: your family, children once again
0: if you're new with us absolutely no pressure you came on a very important Sunday for the house a very different distinct specific Sunday but I just believe that God is going to do amazing things and then through your life despite this is going to be an amazing amazing year for you so once you're ready just hold it in your hand God we pray come on let's pray in faith today God today guys let's pray faith looks like something sounds like something God we pray today that you would blow our mind in 2023. That God, you would do something that only you could do, that only you could get the glory for. That it would not make no, it would make no sense because it's so profound. That God, we would be so celebratory in 2023 because of what you've done. God, I pray that as families, as husband and wife, as singles in this house, that God, you would Shock our lives in 2023. Heal our bodies, restore our relationships. God, bring back kids to the kingdom to know you in a real way. God, I pray for miracles, I pray for miracle babies. God, I pray for miracle houses. Favor,
1: God, I pray for answers to prayer that we've been praying for decades. And God, I pray and for cancer to leave. God, I pray the for families that be reunited. God, I pray for restoration. You God, a God, a pray for God, God, I pray for reconciliation. God, I pray for autoimmune disorders and depression and, your and anxiety to go in 2023. New be upon you, and a thousand generations, and, and your family, and your children, and the children. May his favor be upon you, and a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and, and the children. Ready, may his presence, presence, our presence, presence, presence go before soul. you, and behind you, and without you all around you he is with you he is with you in the morning in Just the morning me. in the evening Just in me, continue this the spirit of this moment we're gonna go back into
0: this I want you to to literally praise your way all the way to the front okay when we're gonna go to this again I'm going to give you the opportunity to go to the kiosk if you need to, or you can do it online, whatever, whatever's easier for you. We have some people at the kiosk at the back that are already facilitating. Once you are done that, or you've already given, just come down, and you're going to drop the envelope in one of these two House of Hearts boxes, okay? Just going to drop it off. You can take time, you can lay hands on the box if you want to, you can pray as a family, whatever you want to do. But I want to encourage you, as we declare, let this be a praise moment, and we're going to have some leaders come up here and pray with you over the box as we do this. Let's go. Before we go back into this a few minutes longer, I'm just going to have some of our leaders come up and just lay hands on the boxes on either side and just begin to pray as we worship a little longer. I just want to say this too, like, we're going to, if you feel like you need to pray about this and you, you were kind of like you didn't know this was happening, we're going to have this available for the next, basically until the 18th. Our last Sunday of the year in person, we'll have it available. But technically speaking, you could be a part of this all the way up till December 31st, the end of the tax year. Uh, we do it that way so we can calculate in that calendar year and that tax year what came in for the House of Hearts special year and offering. So you have an opportunity if you still want to, you weren't a part of this. But as we begin to worship, I just our our heart and our faith as a house is to partner with your faith this year. And I want to say this, that this moment, a lot of people don't realize this, like they write a thing down on their bookmark and they kinda put it in the back in their library and forget about it. Like this is something that I want to encourage you to every day believe for. Like position your life for. And there's, there's a part of of your fate that actually has to move and put, like put yourself out there. Stretch yourself. Put yourself out there. Believe. Position yourself and see what God will do. Don't just forget about it as a one-time thing, and then look back, you know, 12 months later, and say, wow, it didn't happen, or it did happen. Like, celebrate the process that every day you get to continue to believe. So let's just go back into worship as we pray, and as we're continuing to worship, we're going to officially dismiss the experience. If you need to go, God bless you. Stick around, though. Love to chat with you. Love to spend some time with you, but just, hey, pray with the person you came with. you came with somebody, just take some time to pray with each other. Maybe your spouse, your family, or your neighbor. Ask them if you can pray for them. Just take some time just to connect a little longer before you exit. But God bless you. We will see you next week. Hopefully we'll see you at the Holiday Dream on Saturday.